Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him boom. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, fields and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth. And grace and makes the nations through the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth good to be here this morning. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus. It's wonderful to be anywhere that we can fellowship with other members of the bride of Jesus Christ. And right here we all seem to be crowded together. I bless you and bless your families. Um, We've just been praying for all of you this week. And I'm so happy that Jennifer's here with the twins. And uh, it's good to have you here this morning. Uh, every, anyone else who is visiting, uh, <laughs> it's good to see you as well. And so um, while you're standing there, let's just uh, turn around, look at everyone, shake each other's hands or wave at each other across the aisle. And um, we're going to sing I Saw the Light and then go into He Set Me Free. I tell you, when um, Albert Brumley wrote He Set Me Free, that was, uh, I think, one of his best, even though he's wrote so many other amazing songs like I'll Fly Away and, uh, and uh, Jesus Hold My Hand and so many others. And, um, and it's so important to me to see how a good, spirit-filled Christian can influence culture so much. And that song that was taken by uh, a, a, a drunk country singer, and he penned one of the greatest gospel songs called I Saw the Light. And so um, sometimes when we're out there in public and we're putting ourselves out there and we're witnessing the people, um, even though uh, we don't know the effect that we have, 
sometimes. And even though it may not show up in their lives specifically, they may, under our influence, create something or do something that would cause others to come to Christ. And so it's uh, something to think about as we go through this, through this uh, uh, holiday season coming up. Let's do I sing I saw the light. I wondered so aimless life filled with sin. I would have left my dear Savior in. Jesus came like a stranger in the night and praised the Lord. I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. I'm praying to 
God I am going through for He set me free, yes, He set me free He broke the bonds of prison for me I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see Glory to God, He set me free, yes, He set me free of prison for me. Now I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. Glory to God, He set me free. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand this morning. Are you free this morning? Amen. If you're not, you can find freedom here. It's offered to you pure and free, right? Pure and simple. Just reach out to the Lord and He said He will free you. This altar is open at all times. and um, <clears throat> Or just invite Him into the altar of your heart. Anything that's burdening you this morning, go to Him for freedom from it. We're given that. We're offered that. Why not take it? We have a few announcements this morning before we come to our prayer. Brother Ethan, uh, if you would be prepared to come up and uh, lead us to the Lord here with these requests. But before that, a few announcements. Um, we have the on December the 4th, this is a cookie exchange. And I'm not totally familiar with that, but I know it's a wonderful thing that our uh, sisters look forward to. And uh, th- they do need some volunteers with that as well. So um, <clears throat> just want to make everybody aware that's coming up. Our Lost and Found in advance of the Taz- uh, Tanzania trip is going to be empty. So, um, uh, those of you who have things in the lost and found, I would like to thank you for unwittingly donating to Tanzania, but just want to let you know that as far as prayer requests here, I'd like to, um, request, uh, prayers for the McCafferty's who are away, Richard and Mary Smith are on our hearts, uh, sister Jackie Whitlock, she has the flu in Florida, <coughs> or no, see, she has the flu. Sometimes you see FL, and you think it's Florida. She has the flu. Matt Cross, Brother Matt and some of his family are sick this morning, so we want to pray for him. Sister Connie Hughes, she's in South Carolina this morning. And uh, continue to pray for Brother Joe Pascal, the issue with his feet. And uh, anybody else, just by uplifting hand, there's so many out there. Brother Ethan, if you would come up and... Um, and lead us to the Lord in prayer this morning as we just keep these uh, requests on our hearts and any others that um, uh, that you know of. We'll just take it to the Lord. Let's all pray. Dear Lord, we've come to you this morning. Lord, we're just asking that you come into this place and touch every heart, Lord, that may have a need, Lord, that, that uh, they don't know where to go, Lord, and what to do. Lord, we just ask you to touch every request that's been placed here, Lord, and just um, touch the minister as he comes and give him um, words of life to fill our hearts, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. We've been washed in the blood, Jesus. I've been born again. 
I'm on a theme of freedom this morning. I didn't really notice that until I was, uh, until I got up here to tell you the truth. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad for freedom, man. When um, I was, we were at a Thanksgiving with my wife's family in uh, Old Fort, and her uncle Mike, who was, um, who spoke at our wedding in 1996, was there, and a longtime Wesleyan minister. He was the minister at Old Fort. He was a minister back in that time as well. Uh, he was so happy. He said, my church in Tennessee is disaffiliating from the United Methodist. And I'm aware of what's, what all is going on within that denomination. Um, <clears throat> I get literature from the Wesley Covenant Association. And, uh, and so I asked him, I said, well, are you going to go over to the, to the new denomination, the global Methodist? And he said, no, we are done with denominationalism. He said, we are, we are so happy to become unaffiliated. And you know what? Friday afternoon, 
my family in support of Center United Methodist Church went over and uh, bought barbecue dinners as a fundraiser to help them disaffiliate from the United, from the United Methodist Church. And they heard over and over again, we are through with denominationalism. And sitting here today in this congregation, without any oppressive hierarchy above us, we, they, they don't know the freedom that we feel as they're going through these trials and trying to keep their building and trying to, trying to disassociate themselves with the denomination. But we have that freedom, even if just from denominations. But yet, also freedom from sin, freedom from all these uh, <clears throat> confusions that are out there. I'm just happy to, free, to be free this morning. Amen. Let's um, let's uh, bring the uh, deacons forward. We're going to take up the offering this morning, and um, and I tell you what, it's just a just a wonderful morning to be free. You know when the when the pilgrims, we call them the pilgrims now, when the Puritans came over to uh, New England, they were called separatists, separatists, and that's what they were doing. They were disaffiliating from their church, the Church of England. And so we, we seek for freedom this morning as well. Uh, Brother Pritchard, lead us to the Lord. Amen. Tell you what, we've got a couple of specials this morning we're excited to get to. Miss uh, Sister Lorian Cockman. If you could come forward and be getting ready and um, for a special, then we... <clears throat> and while she's, while she's getting ready, let's sing number 4044, Born Again, Free from Sin. Amen. Be flat. Well, I am born again, free from sin. I'm happy night and day. And it makes me shout, there's no doubt, I know I'm born again. Yes, I'm born again, free from sin, I'm happy night and day. And it makes me shout, there's no doubt, I know I'm born Again. Amen. After Lorian's special, I'd like for the Buchanan family to come up and just be ready as well. Thank you. the fear of having nothing, from a life of worldly passions, deliver me, oh God, and from the need to be understood. 
from the need to be accepted, from the fear of being lonely. beautiful as the Buchanan family comes forward for a song this morning. And a lot of us are already feeling a little burned out from the holidays, I know, and uh, I was just thinking of the pilgrims. One of the reasons they were separated was because there's too many holidays. And, it, and according, in addition to all the Sundays, I think there were 92 liturgical days on the calendar where people had to be in church and they didn't really know what this day was for and this and that. And when the Puritans came over, they threw everything away. No more liturgy, no more Christmas, no more Easter. They had two holidays. When things uh, were going wrong, they saw God's judgment, they would call a day of fasting. But when things were going good and they saw God's blessings, they called a day of thanksgiving. And so I think that we should probably do that a little more often when we see God's blessings in our lives. Just say, you know what? We need to have a day of thanksgiving. Not an annual day, but just a day of thanksgiving to thank God for this special blessing in our, in our church and our family. Amen. I love freedom. I love that theme this morning. I love freedom in the natural realm. I love being an American. And I love freedom on the spiritual side. And I'm looking forward to that ultimate freedom when I do get to the other side and I realize that 
My hips no longer hurt. My knees no longer hurt. Brother John, when I get there, I don't know exactly how I'm going to act, but I know I'm going to get carried away. myself when I get beside the king that day. I'm gonna have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. I'm gonna get carried away when I get carried away. Well, I don't know why I become a little shy when I get around a whole lot of people. I can't figure out why I never can shout about the love that floods my soul. I must confess I can't express the feelings deep inside me and the things I know and cannot show. One day you will overflow. I'm gonna let the glory roll when the road is called in glory. When I get beside the king that day I'm gonna have the time of my life When the time of my life is over I'm gonna get carried away When I get carried away Well, I'll pass the clouds And I'll shout so loud It may sound like thunder My tearful eyes may fill the skies Until it looks like rain But as I leave this world Past the gates of pearl And stand before my Savior I'll let my soul let the glory roll From the roll He calls my
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. As we change our service over this morning, um, the key of F, let's sing a little bit of um, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. And uh, as we prepare for the word to come forward to us this morning. Well, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. But Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. But Jesus set me free. Glory, hallelujah. Now I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus set me free. Well, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me, yes, I'm so glad Jesus set me free, and I'm so glad Jesus set me free, I'm so glad. set me free Satan had me bound I'm on my way to heaven shouting victory on my way to heaven shouting victory on my Shouting victory, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus set me free. Glory to God. No place to stop. You can be seated this morning. God bless you. And uh, there's just no place to stop with that one. I mean, you got to keep going. So <clears throat> we welcome all of you here this morning. Uh, Sister Re- Rebecca is going to sing for us. Uh, this morning together, and um, we'll just get adjusted here. This is a new sound thing uh, here, but we'll just get adjusted here. wanted to make a couple of uh, dates here for you, so if you take note of dates, we have a youth event that's this Friday night. See Peter and Rachel uh, for details on that. That's Friday, December 2nd. December 5th, the group's going to leave for Tanzania. We're going to meet right after service, uh, just for a couple of minutes. That's exactly right after service. Uh, December 5th, we'll be leaving. That's Monday, so a week from tomorrow. December 17th, we have our annual dinner, 6 o'clock, here in the Fellowship Hall. December 25th, we're going to have a morning service for whosoever will. We realize a lot of people are traveling and moving around. 
But December 25th, we're going to have, it's Sunday, so we're going to have a uh, simple service on Sunday morning. January 1st, we'll also have one service in the morning. That'll be the end of the youth retreat. And then the following Sunday, January 8th, we'll have the communion service. We had originally scheduled a communion service for January 1st. We're going to move that to January 8th. Okay, so we'll have two services on January 8th. So uh, you want to keep that in mind. But January 1st, we'll have uh, service then. You ready for the word this morning? Sister Rebecca is going to sing for us. stand to our feet this morning, and uh, we're going to look to the Lord in prayer, and um, we appreciate each and every one of you being here this morning, and just as we look to him now, let's, <clears throat> let's sing that little chorus. 
there is none. Mm. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all Find there is none like you again now. No, there is no one else can touch heart like you do. Like you. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we are thankful that there is a throne of grace that we can come to, a place, Lord, where we can cast our cares. And Lord, we can lay every burden, every problem, every frustration we face, and we can give it to you, Lord, knowing that you care about what we go through and knowing, Lord, that you always have an answer. We are asking now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you would take every spirit, including mine, under your control. And Lord, may we not resist, but Lord, may we open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. And Father, I pray that you would just sweep through this building today, Lord, and touch those who really need a touch. I believe, Lord, that you have given me something to give to the people. And Lord, I pray that you would take your words which are just channeled through a microphone, and Lord, anoint them in the hearts of your people. We love you and we thank you. We pray that you would forgive us of anything, Lord, that in any way may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way among us today, we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and we're going to look in the book of Romans, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 8 one more time. Romans chapter 8, probably won't be the last time, but we'll go there and take a little reading from this very oft-read chapter. But I want to take a little theme here this morning, and I, I, uh, <clears throat> I think it's not surprising how the Brother John got up and said that he didn't have this plan, but he's kind of moving on this theme of freedom and independence here and... Um, I'll tell you what, I believe that that's the work of the Holy Spirit, pulling the service in the direction that he wants it to go. And that's exactly the direction that we're going to go this morning, by God's grace. Now, Romans chapter 8, let's begin at verse 37. And, well, let's begin at 35, if you don't mind. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or anxiety, or depression? No. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Say that with me. More than conquerors. Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. I mean, that's everything, right? Right? 
I, if I, if I understand English right, that's everything. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everybody said, shake your hands with somebody nearby, say, God bless you, welcome to the house of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Good to have the Ivies back. Good to have Andrew and family here. Good to have the Parks back uh, over here on the right side. Uh, good to have Megan with us today. God bless you, Sister Megan. Uh, good to have Sister Sarah Buchanan uh, with us today. And each and every one of you, God bless you. If I missed you, that was not intentional at all. I want to make one simple announcement here this morning before we, uh, actually two. One is that tomorrow is Sister Madeline Irish's birthday, and she's not with us today, and we wish her all the best on her birthday uh, tomorrow. Also, as well, when we go to uh, Tanzania this time, we're going to be meeting these people from the Kitandeni area. And uh, this is an area that's up in the north uh, east, uh, sorry, the northwest of Tanzania, kind of tucked up in the corner. And all of this is in the, where we're going is going to be in the Rift Valley. So it's a long vertical uh, piece of land that uh, is where a lot of the safari activity takes place. And this area has been hit in a really bad way with with drought. Uh, I sent out a little note this morning to some of you and. Uh, uh, by the way, we're working on a better communication system for our church here and uh, directory and so forth, so you'll be able to get all of these updates uh, that I send out. Uh, but this is one of our missionaries, uh, Brother Elisante, who is in that area of Kintaneni now, and uh, he's going to be bringing some of these believers to the meeting where we're going to be in Loliando. Uh, they're facing this extreme drought situation. I've already sent funds on behalf of our church to them. Uh, through Brother Elias, and uh, when we go, we'll probably bring uh, corn and maize and oil and so forth to them to help them get through. And uh, what I always help encourage the brothers to do is to go, uh, go in the south or go in the east where things are not drought-affected and purchase supplies in bulk as soon as this starts and then hold on to it, and then we can distribute it. Because if you want to buy materials and food supplies in that area, it's now extremely expensive. And so we're able to help out the people over there. So we'll have a better first-hand description when we get over there, and we'll certainly uh, be trying to let you know and um, be sending back some reports here for you uh, when we get over there. Now, I want to... Jump right in here because I'm going to title this the uh, third part of Living Above Your Cares. And uh, we're going to be looking on this uh, positive side again and dealing with some of the remedies and some of the solutions and identifying a common thread that occurs uh, for people who struggle with this uh, area of anxiety or the problem of anxiety. And uh, we're not just, diff- not just uh, confining it to that. Uh, but I was amazed, absolutely amazed, the more I look at this and the more I research it, of how about widespread this problem really is uh, among uh, not only uh, people in the world, but among Christians. And that's what my area of main concern was about. And uh, <clears throat> I, I trust that for those of you that uh, maybe have struggled with this or are aware of this or your families are affected by this, that in some way this has been a help. 
But I want to, uh, and I'm not looking for compliments here, uh, I'm looking for people to get delivered from this problem. I'm looking for a relief for these symptoms that, that people have been having. And uh, I want to preamble this this morning a little bit. I'm going to review a little and go over those points, those positive points that we had from last Sunday. But I want to elaborate on one or two of them, and then I want to talk about this common thread uh, that, that I've noticed and in listening to testimonies of people who have come to me. And, uh, and that is this, that, uh, there, uh, I want to say this very carefully here this morning. I think it's a good practice for us sometimes to take a look at in your own life what, what area Satan's attacking. Not that we fear him, not that we, um, not that we bow to him in any way, but it is a, it is an interesting thing when you stop and ponder what what it is that God's sorry what Satan what the enemy's attacking what he's coming against in your life uh, if he's attacking if there's problems in a relationship in the marriage for instance uh, he he's generally he's generally attacking he's a responder and he is since he's not a creator he lives uh, to react to things that God already does and. He reacts to threats. He reacts to things that he knows are a threat to him. And there are things that Satan will attack because he sees and he knows uh, the potential in a certain thing, and so therefore he'll attack it. Now, when you think about this, for instance, like our church over the last year, and I, don't, I haven't shared a great deal of this with you, but, and I'm not trying to be personal or for the wrong reason. I'm just saying that uh, in our church... Uh, we, we try to do lots of things for lots of other people outside. And uh, we print the message in every language for every believer on earth. And uh, therefore the propagation, and excuse me here, I'm trying to keep my tie straight because I know that really throws some people off. And uh, so I, I'm, that's why I'm fiddling with this here. <clears throat> and because there's such a, an effort to get the message out, we know According to what Brother Ram taught us, that's what Satan hates. He hates the revelation of the message. He hates the revelation of the word that's come in the last days. Isn't that right? And so therefore he's going to attack that. He's going to attack those that distribute it, those that fund it, uh, those that uh, propagate the message of the hour. We are a church also that, uh, you know, we do like to do lots of other things like the men's meeting or if we have adventures in the Bible or if we have other events that go on in the year that, uh, you know, can be a blessing to people, meetings on marriage or whatever else. Uh, besides the regular outreach that we have and the regular services that we hold, the regular kinds of meetings that we have, uh, Satan's going to attack that whenever you, uh, when, whenever you see that there is a, an effort being put forth to bless and edify God's people. Satan's going to attack that because therefore his kingdom is threatened. His hold is threatened whenever, uh, God's people demonstrate the potential to be able to effect uh, a blow to Satan's kingdom. And very often, Satan attacks us through questioning. That's what he did in the very beginning. You remember when he, when he said uh, to Eve back there in the Garden of Eden, hath not God said? And sometimes he'll throw questions in there to make you doubt or to make you, uh, make you question things. And, uh, you know, the pastor did what? And, and sometimes the questions that Satan will throw at you in your mind, because that's his battleground, right? How many would agree? That's the place where the battle occurs. 
then I will tell you that that's very often where he sows the wrong question to get you to ponder on it. Because I believe this, that when you're under attack, you're actually very close to victory. When you're under attack, it's often when you're closest to victory. If you go back in the Old Testament and you look at the great attacks and the great struggles that Israel went through, you can parallel that with victories that soon followed or advancements that they made soon after that attack. So Satan, knowing that the children of Israel were going to enter into the promised land, well, there's an attack that strikes there at the border, and there's something that goes on, or, uh, you know, the, the city of Jericho, or whatever else. There's something that Satan will put up there that will attempt to hold the children of Israel back. And in the same way, the closer we get to the change of our body, the, the harder Satan fights because he knows, hey, once we're gone, once we're in a new body, it's over. Hey, I said, once we're in a new body, folks, it's over, right? It's over for Satan on the earth. And so what he wants you to do, listen, what, what Satan wants you to do is to turn inward rather than to turn upward. Our direction should be upward. Our momentum should be upward, right? At least that's where we, I think we are uh, in the scheme of things. We should be looking upward. We should be moving upward. But Satan will come and cause people to be anxious or be uh, distressed and be troubled about things. And we begin to look inward. What's wrong with me? And why is this happening to me? And, uh, you know, you start to begin to look uh, this way. And you look down. You're looking inward rather than look upward. And God wants you to look upward. I believe in this hour, God wants you to look upward. God wants you to look towards the prize and, and the, the goal that we have in life. We are, we are being trained to reign. And I, I believe that uh, in, in, a, in a real sense... The questions that Satan will ask you are designed to undermine your faith. But the questions that God asks are often uh, ones that are uh, meant to increase your faith. Like in Genesis chapter 18, when God looked at uh, Abraham and Sarah, and he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? They were doubting about whether God could bring a child to Abraham and Sarah. And, and he asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? And he wanted them to lift their faith in the God that made that promise. And if that's true, hey, listen, God's able to bring it to pass. Don't you worry about that. God's able to bring it to pass. And whenever God asks a question, it is one, it is designed, God's not afraid of questions. And whenever God responds or God brings that question back to us, it is always intended uh, to raise our faith and to build our faith in things. But we had to be careful that we don't let the enemy sow the wrong questions in our mind and make a new doubt and question your own integrity as a Christian and your own salvation and your own confidence in your experience with God, you don't want to let him do that because if you do, he'll run wild with that. And he'll combine that with other things that are going on in your life. And it can be menopause, it can be a sickness, it can be a job change, it can be all kinds of other things that are going on in your life. And Satan will be right there to ask you the wrong question and begin to get you to look downward instead of upward. And I will tell you, that's, that's very often uh, something that really, uh, really makes a difference in our lives. So therefore, we know that Satan is not a creator. And Brother Branham tells us this is a very powerful thing. And he says it all the way through his ministry. He says there's only two things that's right and wrong. Satan is not a creator. And I will tell you something. In, in the eyes of God, things are not half right and half wrong. They're not sort of right and sort of wrong. They are, they are very clear in the mind of God. And Satan's not a creator. There's only one creator, and that's God. And Satan perverts what God has created. Satan is a responder. He's not, a, he's not an initiator. He's not a, not a creator. He's a, he's a perverter of the things that God has created. And as long as you have faith in the creator in him, God brings it back to its right place. 
So you had to have confidence in that and you have to trust in that. Now, let me, uh, let me add one little scripture here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I, I'm not going to dwell on this, although it's a great scripture to talk about. But Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We want you to pray that the word of God has free course. That word free course there is not just, uh, you know, the image of a babbling brook where the water flows down. It is the idea that uh, there's going to be a, an effort put forth in the ministering of the word of God. And we want it to make it through. No matter how much effort's involved, we want it to make it through to fulfill and bring glory to the one who spoke that word in the first place. So Paul is saying that when we come among you, and he says when we go uh, traveling now among the churches here, we want to pray that the word would have free course among you and among uh, the believers that we go to, that it may accomplish God's purpose and God's will in their lives as well as it has in your life. And that's what we're praying for, because the enemy is going to oppose us in every way he can. The enemy is going to try to stop us in every way he can. Now, one of the ways that Satan will try to stop us is to stop the free course or the moving of the word in a given service. The word, the word is the thing that's going to set you free. Isn't that right? It, the word is the thing that's going to build you up. The word is the thing that's going to search your heart, your thoughts and intentions. Because the word is quick and sharp. Isn't that right? And, and the word is the thing that's going to help you most. It's not Brother Barry is going to help you most. It's not being a part of HPT is going to help you most. It is, it is the word of God quicken in your life that's going to make a difference and make you different than what you were when you came in here. That's the thing. And Satan will do whatever he can to hinder the word of God. Some people, unfortunately, because of their personality, their background, their parents or their grandparents, they have a, they can even have a stubborn streak in them that makes them feel like I'm right no matter what. And if other people will get their act together, you know what? I'd be happy. This is not on me. This is on everybody else. And so therefore, Lord, I'm praying that everybody else gets the message because I know I'm right. And I'm telling you, when you think that way, you're wrong. I said, when you think that way, you're wrong. You need to come down off your high horse. And if you don't want to, stay on your high horse, but be ready to be knocked off it because the Holy Spirit has his way of doing that. And just say, Lord, prepare my heart and open my mind today. To reveal to me whatever I need to know to allow the word of God to flow freely through me and not stop at me so you can receive the glory for what's done here. You need to make sure and you need to pray no matter how high up you think you are. You need to be sure uh, that you open your heart and mind and say, Lord, I don't want to I don't want to have the free course of the word stop at me. I want it to flow through me. And I want it to accomplish what it will. The only way you'll do that, you often hear me pray, you often hear Brother Branham say, Lord, take every spirit under your control. The only way you'll do that is to step back from your own convincing thoughts about yourself and say, Lord, I'm going to lay it all down today. While I'm here in this assembly, I'm going to lay it all down. My thoughts, my opinion about things, and my opinion about other people, I'm going to lay it down and let you have free course today. Are we okay? Well, I said it anyway. So therefore, I want you to take thought of this now, that Satan is not a creator, he's only a perverter, and he will take an attitude and pervert that in such a way that he'll stop the free course of the word in this church. And that's what we don't want to have. I do not want to have to push against the spirit of some in order to get the word to all. 
But I will tell you that happens. Now, therefore, <clears throat> I want to jump right in here. And uh, just if, you, if you'll stay with me, we'll review a little just for everyone's sake. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll branch out here. Because uh, this is, uh, to me, this has uh, really uh, been really strong in my heart. The devil likes to work on you and oppress you. And you know that's a trick of the devil to oppress. But when the Christian knows his legal rights, when you can quote God's word and say, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, that takes the oppression away. Brother Ma'am's solutions are often very simple to very complex situations. When the Christian knows his legal rights, and when you can quote God's word, now not just recite it like uh, memorizing it like a child, but when you can actually believe this and realize, I am this promise. I want you to think about that. You're not just able to repeat the promise. You're able to say, I am this promise. I am the one that God said, I would never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am the one he's talking about. This is about me. This is me. When you can quote that word and say, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, that takes the oppression away. You know why? Number one, because then you know you're not alone. You've got somebody walking with you who's more powerful than the enemy who's trying to lie to you. And the clouds begin to clear back. And if you just know that God has promised and God's faithful, he can keep his promise or he never would have made the promise in the first place. Everybody say amen to that one. That's worth starting off with. The other thing is this, is that you need to understand, in no way am I trying to take all the tension out of your life. We all need tension in the same way that a guitar string needs to have tension on it in order to function properly. Life brings with it tension. And Brother Branham, in his way of describing things, he said, speaking of tension, I was praying about this this morning. He said, what would you do if you didn't have tension? If you didn't have a certain amount of tension or pressure or stress in your life, nobody would have showed up here today, right? Because you would not have felt the, the, the urge to get here on time. You would not have felt the, you know, the need to get here on time if you didn't have any tension at all. He said, that kind of encouraged me when I thought of that. And if you had no tension, you'd be like a rag doll and you wouldn't have no feelings. And there'd be nothing you could work on. My goodness, it would be terrible to have no feelings. Because if you had no feelings, you could say whatever you want to to somebody else and it wouldn't affect you at all. Hello? If you had no feelings, you would never know when you hurt somebody else's feelings. Because you've got to have feelings to know when you've hurt somebody else's feelings. Are we okay? Like a husband... He said, like a husband and wife, maybe she wants to do something and they're trying to work together, especially Christians, and the other one wants this and the other one wants that. And he says, see, the tensions really bring you closer together. And somebody tells you that, well, you think of the little wife that went under a lot of tension when you wasn't so good, or the husband under some tension when you wasn't so good. Then when it's all forgiven, look how you feel about him. See, you've got to have tension. There has to be a certain amount of tension in life. And there has to be a certain amount of, uh, you know, uh, natural occurring anxiety about life. If you have a, an exam coming up, uh, you better be concerned, right? If, uh, you know, we have another world turndown in our time. You watch people get concerned, right? And you know what? It's a good thing for you to get concerned when you recognize that we are living at the end of the world. But you people have been forewarned 
many, many times that we are living at the end of the world. And you should not wait for another plane to strike a skyscraper for you to get ready to go uh, into another dimension. We've been forewarned. So therefore, <clears throat> let's look at some of the positive things that we can do. Number one, we're going to cast our burden. We're going to cast our burden upon the Lord. And that's what uh, we, we know that when Peter wrote the epistle and said, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care, your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And he's, he's writing that from David's teaching back here in, in the Psalms, Psalm 55, where David said to cast thy burden upon the Lord. And the, lot, the, the burden is your lot in life. The thing that God's assigned you to do. The thing that God's particularly gifted you to do. And cast that upon the Lord. Whether you're male or female, old or young. Whether you're very talented and very public or whether you're very private. Whatever it is that God's assigned you to do. And every part of my body has an assignment. Every part of who I am has an assignment. And I want uh, that, that part to, do, to play its role. Otherwise my body doesn't function right. And so therefore, when things get hard and when things get difficult, you want to cast your burden. You want to take your burden, not just, uh, not just suffer with it and not just, uh, you know, tolerate it and not just complain about it, but we want to cast it before the Lord. And that's what he's telling us. And he shall sustain thee. Here's the promise. And he shall sustain thee and he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Glory to God. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. As long as we're taken, hey, God knows there's going to be difficulties in life. And God knows there's going to be struggles in life. And God knows there's going to be, uh, you know, excess amounts of things happen that make you concerned in life. God knows that. He lived in this life just like you did. Jesus always lived knowing one day he would face the death that he was prophesied to, to die. And uh, because he knew the scriptures and he was the word. But I will tell you what, the, the, thing that, uh, the thing that was so interesting about Jesus is that he, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what his mission was, and he didn't waver from that in any way. And, and, and uh, David is praying the same thing. He said, cast your lot upon the Lord, and he'll sustain thee. As God knows what it is you're meant to accomplish in this life. Brother Branham says, and I, 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 we, we talked about this last time, that there is, there is... A real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the sufferer from his suffering. You gotta, you gotta be sure of this. Because when your children go through a time of suffering, or when your, uh, you know, when your finances suffer, and when your church suffers, in whatever way Satan can author suffering in your life, there is a Holy Spirit that you can turn to who has power to deliver the sufferer from his suffering. Do you believe that today? And I do not see how the clergy could say and preach that the gospel without divine healing in the atonement because he was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we are healed. So there is a real power. It's not a fictitious power. It's not a mental power. It's not a psychological power. It is a real power. And last week I was talking about that, uh, you know, the inflatable punching bag that, uh, you know, that you can always give a whack uh, with those punching bags. They're frustrating as all get out. And you can hit it as hard as you want, hit it as often as you want, but it'll pop right back up. And when you think you've flattened it, when you think you've given it a real death blow, you turn around and there it is again. And you can be occupied with that thing because it never seems to go away in your life. 
And you wake up at night thinking about things and you can't seem to get shed of it. And it's always there. No matter how you prayed or no matter how you've looked, uh, you know, to remedies. And no matter how much you've read about it. And no matter how many times you've listened to this little series here, it still pops back up. Let me tell you something. There is a real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the sufferer from the suffering. I have good news for you this morning. There's one greater than your mind and there's one greater than the, than the inflatable punching bag. That's the real power of the Holy Spirit that's able to deliver that thing from you so that it does not cripple you. Paul is not talking about when we talk about anxiousness and the Bible does not refer to just the normal pressures of life. Well, I got to be here, got to be there, got to be somewhere else. We're talking about the, the overwhelming anxiety that some people have that they feel like they got to turn to some resource in order to be able to function in the run of a day. And that's what he's talking about. Now, Let's go a little further. Brother Branham asked the question of this man in the prayer line. How do you do? We don't know one another. Only God knows us both. He's known you since you were born. Years ago, your trouble started. You probably look 15 years younger than you are now. Here's Brother Branham looking at two people. He's got the real one right here, and he's got this other person here in this vision. And he actually said, when you talk about this vision more, and you describe this more, he said, this tends to fade away, and that becomes more real. So he's just, all he's doing is describing what he sees. And he says, I see you now. You're 15 years younger than what you look like. Uh, he said, and it's a nervous condition. You've been bothered with nerve trouble. You can't sleep. You're up pacing around and restless. It's a nerve cause. You don't know what it is. Doctors can't locate what it is. But here's what it is. Aren't you glad God sent a prophet? Aren't you glad God's able to look beyond where the doctors can look? I thank God for doctors, but I'm glad we have one that's able to look a little further. As a child, you was playing near cellar steps and you fell. And it's a vertebrae that's slightly out in the back. There's your trouble. This man doesn't have a demon. This man doesn't have something that needs to be cast out. He need, he's got something that needs to be set right. Now, Satan's attacked that, right? Satan's used that and made him think all kinds of things and then affected his sleep. Now, I'll tell you, pause. I'll tell you that when you don't sleep right, your whole day is affected the next day. And when you don't sleep right for a week, your whole week is affected. And when you don't sleep good for a month or two, let me tell you, we're going to have to talk about that. Because your sleep is important. What your brain does when you're asleep is important to you. And... You have a lot more, you make a lot more sense out of the day, and you have a lot more patience in the day when you get some sleep. And your children are all appreciative when you get up in the morning and say, I had a good night's rest. Hello. As a child, you were playing near these steps, and he said, there's your trouble. And you didn't come from this city, you're from Camden, New Jersey, and your name is Frank. You're healed, sir. Your faith has made you well. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be healed or saved or whatever you have need of. In other words, there's a real power of the Holy Spirit standing right here to take away the suffering from the sufferer. Now it's up to him to accept that and embrace that and walk away with the victory, Right? To walk away with the sense that, hey, thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. And thank God I'm free from this affliction. And I'm going to go home and enjoy a good night's rest. Brother Bram saying is laying before you now. There it is right there. There's your problem. And the truth is the thing that sets you free. If you're in service today or any day and, and the Holy Spirit points out what the problem is and gives you the remedy, you ought, to, you ought to believe that that's the Holy Spirit discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart and giving you answers that you have need of. 
even when you want to hear it and when you don't. Because very often the Holy Spirit will tell us things that are not always really easy to take, but they're true nonetheless. We thank God when, when the person who's saying it doesn't know. Now, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of the <coughs> comparison between our time and the time when the children of Israel left Egypt, the journey was divided into stages, which is exactly what we're going through. And the seasons of deliverance and the seasons of the exodus, we see them unfolding as we, uh, as we stand this morning. We, know, we can relate to that. Also as well, the exoduses are always guided under the prophetic leadership of a prophet, and that prophet communicating directly with God. God doesn't leave it up to the fivefold ministry here in general. When God takes an exodus, uh, when God enacts an exodus, he uses a prophet. And around that exodus, the world's falling apart. Around that exodus, the world is crumbling. Around that exodus, most people don't really know what's going on. They don't really have a clear idea about why this is happening and where it's going to end up. They really don't. Because you've been wired to sense the presence of God. You've been wired to receive revelation. And that's something the world really doesn't know anything about. What seems so obvious to you is actually darkened in the minds of many people around you. And so therefore they don't make sense out of things that are happening today like you do. And you can, re- you can realize and you can understand why nations fight against nations and why there's wars and pestilences and why all these other things are going on. You can understand that because the Bible teaches that. But hold on now. they got Bibles too. Every hotel room has a Bible. The difference is that the Holy Spirit quickened that word and made it alive to you. And you're, in a sense, you're privy to the mind of God to know what's going on in a particular hour. Don't, don't stray now. They were, and fourthly, they were predestinated to leave and enter into the promised land. So, in other words, there's no way they could miss it because God wired them to make it. There's no way they could miss it because God predestinated them to enter in. And if you're predestinated to enter in, you just can't miss it. The last thing is that in that journey, in that whole process, Jehovah was a consistent supplier. How many believe he's still a consistent supplier? He's still Jehovah Jireh tonight, same as he ever was. So David, and we, we use this phrase now several times here, and I want to uh, elaborate just a little bit. David uses this phrase, Psalm 42, my soul, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. It means that I'm shaken, troubled, agitated, distressed, mental or spiritual agitation. I'm troubled. This is something I can't figure out. This is something, in a sense, that threatens me. This is David being chased by King Saul. And David does not have an answer here because he knows he can't touch the Lord's anointed. He can't bring a king down unless God tells him to do that. He can't do that of his own accord. But he's going through, he's experiencing uh, this feeling in a position where he can't change the circumstance. Are you following me? He's being hunted by Saul. He's been anointed to be a king. He's under the commandment not to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm in this spot. And my goodness, I can't do a thing about this. And so therefore, he uses this word, my soul is cast down within me. 
I always like to deal with uh, that, that, in that circumstance whenever uh, I'm counseling with anybody or talking with anybody. Did you do something to cause this situation? Did you, do so, did you make a mistake or did you commit adultery or did you do some secret sin or something else to cause this? And when people say, no, I mean, it just is the way it is. And they're in a spot where they didn't cause it. And you know what? Uh, there's really nothing I can do. Very often, that's God getting you into a spot where he's trying to teach you something like he was trying to teach David. Because there's nothing really David could do here. There's nothing really that David could do here. And so therefore, David says, because I feel that way, therefore, will I remember from the land of Jordan, the Hermonites and the hill Mizar, the deep calleth unto the deep, and the noise of thy water spouts. God supplied and defended the children of Israel outside the land of Israel in Jordan and in the, uh, the Mount Hermon and the hill Mizar. God looked after the children of Israel out there. My goodness, and God will look after the children of Israel in here. If God looked out for them and cared for their welfare and their circumstances and their water and their food out there every day, and they were not even in the promised land, how much more will God look after me here? And David's searching his heart. He's asking God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. And he's not done anything wrong. And he's inside the boundary of the promised land. He's operating in the will of God. He's not violated God's word. And he says, I feel this great distress, but you know what? Let me think about the God. Let me think about the God who looked after the children of Israel in all those places outside the boundary of the promised land. Therefore, if God did that, I'm going to trust God to help me right here. Verse 9, and I will say unto my God, my rock, why hast thou, uh, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why should I be worried? If God is that kind of a God who's merciful and faithful, and he's a high priest, and I can turn to him, and I can cast my cares upon him, why should I be worried then? Why should I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You may literally feel like David felt, but you need to say in your heart, Why should I bow to this enemy? Why should I worry about this enemy? And why should I worry about his oppression? I'm going to trust God like they did out in the wilderness where there was nothing. And God successfully provided for them all the days of their journey. Somebody say amen. And that's what David is actually praying. That's what he's asking for. Now, let's find that word. Let's follow that word here in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3. Strange place, but watch. When Herod the king heard these things, what did he hear? He heard the people in the street say, the wise men say, Where is he? King of the Jews. There is born on this earth a king of the Jews. Where is he? Where is he born? That's what Herod is hearing. Remember now, back in that day, they didn't have panes of glass and window units there. So here it is. He's looking out the window and he's hearing these kings go down the road with wrapped gifts. And they're saying, where is he? He must be in Jerusalem. The king, the new king is born on the earth. You know what? This is the first case of New Testament anxiety here. Because here it is saying, whoa, what's this about a new king? You mean if there's another king, my reign might be threatened? My power might be diminished? My days might be done? My pension might be over? I mean, my, my income stops. Everything about being a king now is going to change. And I, I don't want to lose my position. I don't want to lose the benefits of the job here. 
And he's all of a sudden now full of anxiousness. He's overwhelmed by this because the Bible says he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Same word as what David used back there. All Israel was, was wondering about this too because nobody, nobody in Jerusalem was aware of this. He should have been, but nobody was aware of that. And when Herod heard this, he began to get really anxious. He began to get really worried. Jesus uses the same word. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Again in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, but he says, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let your heart get to the place where you're agitated and overwhelmed and, uh, you know, so full of the fears and the, and the what ifs about life. He, Jesus says, don't go there and don't dwell on that. Dwell on this. He says, you, be, you let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, don't dwell on that, although that's easy. I want you to dwell on what I've told you. And what I've told you is, is that if you die, you have a place to go immediately. You have a new house. You have a new body. You have a new uh, place on the other side. I want you to look at the positive benefits of what I told you. And I want you to dwell on that. Don't dwell on your circumstances. And don't dwell on the, uh, what if this happens? And did I marry the right person? And, uh, you know, I hit that punching bag real hard, but it keeps coming back up here. And there's all kinds of things in this life to be worried about. And they're, they're rioting in the street, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're protesting over there in the streets of Japan or China. And, and what about if this happens or that happens? And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, nuclear weapons. And what about if Putin decides to use nuclear weapons? And what happens to us? Hey, you can, let me tell you, you can, and I appreciate you, let me tell you, you can spend a lot of wasteless hours wondering about what ifs in this world. Everywhere you turn, you listen to CNN, which is continual negative news. I mean, all you do is hear about the potentials for disaster and all the negative circumstances that are around and what somebody's not doing right and what somebody's not producing and what the dollar is not doing and all the other continuous negative news that you hear in the world today. And it's constantly put at you. Every, every so many minutes in the news cycle, it's constantly put at you. And Jesus is saying, you've got to exercise the discipline to push that back and think about the things I've told you. Because if you don't, your heart, your mind's going to become overwhelmed. You're going to become so agitated that you won't even be able to function. And whether it's a global situation or whether it's a personal one, you need to cast your lot before the Lord. And you need to make sure that you exercise the discipline not to dwell on that. First Peter chapter 3, But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. So now this is a little bit more personal here because this is not just stuff that happens in Russia, but now this is stuff that happens to you. What if they came and closed our church? And what if they came and said to you that unless you believe in the Trinity and you sign this document, you don't have a job anymore? And don't tell me that won't happen. And don't tell me that they won't take this church because the law of imminent domain is already in place and all of those things are already passed. They're not going to come. They're already passed. They just need to be enacted. And they're going to be a, there's going to be a, a wheel behind the wheel that turns those things to make it all happen. And so in that particular time, Peter warns us, when all of this comes down to the end, you need to make sure that you're not afraid of their terror, that you're not troubled by all of that. You need to keep the promises of God before you. Now, the best way to keep your prom- the promises of God before you when that happens is to keep your promises before you today, before it happens, because then you're used to calling on God and going to your Bible and looking on the fridge, because that's where you've written down all the great statements and Bible verses and quotes that I've given you over the years, and you put them on your fridge, Right? 
I tried. But here's what the Bible says. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Despite all the other things that go on in the world. In all things. Say it with me. In all these things. In all these things. We are more than conquerors. And that word conquer means there we're incomparable. There's nobody can compare to the bride of Christ. Hey, right from the early church. Right from the early church. Rome tried to extinguish the flame in the early church bride. And all the way down through in the dark ages and all the different uh, cycles of destruction and persecution that went on. And whether it's, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the inquisitions or whatever else that happened, there's nobody compares to the bride. Because many, many religions and empires are now but dust and able to be visited if you tour Europe today. But I will tell you what. At the end of the day, there's still a bride that's standing here and there's, they're proud to sing, I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. Satan could not do anything to stop the forward progress of the bride of Christ. We've made it to the end. Glory to God. Hey, we've made it to the end. We've made it to the launching pad for the change of our body. Somebody say amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I'm a part of that group. You're afraid to do that. You're afraid to take that many words. In the middle of a service here. But let me tell you something. There's nobody compares with the bride of Christ. We are an incomparable group. Outstanding. Outstanding group. You may not think of yourself as outstanding. But I'm here this morning to tell you that's what Paul meant when he said that we are more than conquerors. You're absolutely an incomparable, outstanding group of people. Not because of your diligence and discipline. But because of the Christ in you who's a real power that's helped you through all the difficulties of life and got you to where you are and brought you to this point in your life and made you be able to still stand and sing, I'm so glad I can say I'm a part of the family of God. What separates us? There's nothing that separates us. But there are times when we feel like we're separated from God. The reality is that we are not separated from God. The reality is is that we are more than conquerors. That's the truth. But there are times when we feel like we're separated from God. Brother Bram said, many has been the trials and heartaches and hardships, but tonight we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He died at the cross. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. He's reciting those promises. And he says, now look, every Christian believer has a right to any of those redemptive blessings Jesus died for. i got to say it again. Every Christian... How many every Christians do we have here? Every Christian has a right. Every Christian believer has a right to any of those redemptive blessings that Jesus died for. But it's out of practice. We don't practice that. Because a lot of times you'll sit there and blow that promise right out of the sky by your continual your continual confession that, uh, I don't think it's going to happen to me. I can go get prayed for, but I don't think I'm going to get healed. You just blew that promise right out of the sky. Just like when you tell your wife, oh, you look nice. And she'll say, oh, no, my hair's not right. You know, I, I, I don't think the shoes really match the purse. And you know what? I, I was hoping to be able to wear a brooch. But I, I didn't have I forgot it, and so I had to wear this. And some, She just blew your compliment right out of the water. Many times, listen, that's, that might be funny. Many times you can blow the promise of God right off the map. And God wants you to know. He wants you to own it. He wants you to possess it. 
He wants you to take that promise and he wants you to have a to have the understanding that you have a right to that. Whether you've got it all together, whether you've uh, earned it or not, it has nothing to do with earning. It has nothing to do with payback. But the, the, the sad thing is that Brother Bram said, but it's out of practice. And he said, people's afraid to take God at his word. All right, let's look at somebody who did. Let's take somebody who did. I love this, this little story here, Second Chronicles chapter 20. And it came to pass that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and those who were besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Remember that story? I've told it a million times because I love it. And here's Jehoshaphat and all the people in, in Israel back in that day. They're cleaning up the temple. They're making things right. They're kicking out the idols. Jehoshaphat's a good man. He had bad friends, but he's a good man, basically. And he's just minding his own business being a godly king. And all of a sudden, these guys show up. The Ammonites and the Moabites and all the otherites that are there. And they show up on his border. He's done nothing to cause this problem. But now all of a sudden there, it says there comes a great multitude against thee. The runner comes in and says, hey, I'm here to tell you there's a great multitude that's coming on this side of Syria. And he describes where they're coming. We've been there in that side of Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek God. He didn't seek an attorney. He didn't seek, listen, he didn't even seek Google. He sought God. Immediately he went to God. Now what did Brother Branham tell us there's a lack of? There's a lack, he said this is out of practice, that people are afraid to take God at his word. When we find that people did take God at his word, and this is what Jehoshaphat did, is everybody follow me? All you young people, here, stop taking notes. Here, look here. That when Jehoshaphat saw this enemy coming and knew that he had somewhere to turn, he's going to cast his lot before God and went to pray. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So everybody's involved now. And Judah gathered, Judah is a tribe, gathered themselves together and they came to what? To ask help of the Marines. Nope. To ask help of the Lord. That's exactly what they did. They cast their lot on God. And they said, hey, we're your people. We're God's people. You've made a promise to Abraham. You said we'd never be forsaken. And all the other things that are in this prayer, the prayer is inspiring. The prayer is beautiful. I have to tell you what, it's a shame that that's out of season. It's a shame that we don't appeal to God like we should. People's afraid to take God at his word. I say this, God, stir in us that faith that says we're willing to take God at his word. No matter what it is. God may deliver a multitude of ways, but there's only one God to turn to. And what you need to do is get in your mind that that's what we do when we have anxiety. And that's what we do when we have a crisis. And that's what we do when we have trouble. We don't cast our care upon everybody on Facebook to find out what they would do. We cast it upon God first. You've got to get in the mindset of making sure you do that because that brings the blessing. That brings the blessing. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our, not Jehoshaphat's, but our, say it with me, our infirmities. Infirmities, there is a want of strength. Whenever you go to a place or you get to a wall, you get to a hurdle you can't get over, you don't have the ability to figure it out, you're wanting. You're left wanting. You got a solution, uh, you need a solution for your church. You need a solution for your business. 
You need a solution for your wayward, rebellious child. You need a solution for a problem in your marriage, whatever it is. Hey, if you could figure it out, you would. But we are wanting. And when you come to that place of wanting, the Spirit already knows the answer. Do you believe that? The Spirit already knows the answer. So what do we do? Here's what we looked at last week. Sorry. Number one, we don't worry about our cares. That's His business. When you correctly and successfully give your cares to God, when you cast your lot before Him, now it becomes His property. Now it becomes His domain. Now it becomes His business. Now it ain't your business no more. Now it's His business. Somebody say amen. Number two, I'm going to go real fast through most of these. Surely He will deliver thee from the snare, the trap of the fowler, who is a setter of traps, and from the noisome pestilence, which is anything that comes your way that is essentially overwhelming. Everybody got it? Will, got it? He shall, not he might, he shall deliver thee from the trap of the trap setter and from anything that overwhelms you. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody here, excuse me, in this assembly, if Satan's going to attack, he's going to attack a preacher in the voice, right? Because he knows the potential. How many of you here, by show of hands, have ever felt overwhelmed or engulfed in your life? Look at that. Just, I mean, this is just too much. I gotta go to bed. I gotta go make a sandwich. I, 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 I don't, I don't know anything sensible to do anymore. I've done all I know to do. I got a bill that's too big for the, my bank account. I got a problem with my children I can't figure out. My kids won't pick up their socks in their bedroom and I've told them repeatedly. My goodness. <clears throat> There are times in life when you become overwhelmed. All of a sudden, a couple of years ago, we had a virus that overwhelmed the world. And you know what? We were all powerless to stop it. Until, until there's a, you know, some remedies taken and, and vaccines invented and so forth, you know, then, then it's still around and it rears its ugly head every, every time you look away. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it overwhelmed the whole world, didn't it? Anybody been around? Anybody older than three years old? <clears throat> Here's what David says. Thou, God, shall tread upon the lion and the, the adder, the young and the lion, the young lion and the dragon shall trample under your feet. I'm sorry, this is not David speaking about God. This is David speaking about a believer because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, will I deliver him? I will set him on high because he's known my name. Your job is not to take care of the pestilence. Your job is not to find a solution for the setter of traps. Your job is simply defined as this. You set your love upon him. You watch what he does. That's what David is actually telling us. Number three, Philippians 4, 6, 8. Be careful for for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication... Here's how you go to God with it. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, because you can't leave out the thanksgiving. I hope you all had a wonderful thanksgiving. But let me tell you something about thanksgiving in the eyes of God. Your list of praises to God should be longer than your list of needs. 
You're, you're quick to keep, make a list of prayer requests. We should be making a list of ways to give thanks to God for all that he's done for us. Let me tell you how God feels about thanksgiving. When Nehemiah restored the temple, and Nehemiah had everything back now ready for dedication. You know what the Bible says? After, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, this is the end of the mission. We've got mission accomplished here. And they set out the Levites. Now remember, Nehemiah and Ezra are doing everything by the book. They're going back by the book, and they're looking at how, did, how was it? How did God want it? How did God set it up in the first place, right? Everybody following? They're doing everything by the book. Watch what he does. <clears throat> they sought all the Levites out of all their places around Israel to bring them to Jerusalem and keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing and cymbals and psalteries uh, and harps. Verse 31. And then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. Whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate, so stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and the half of the rulers with me. So when Nehemiah has said, hey, we're going to have a dedication, we're going to rededicate this wall and the temple and the city, we're going to rededicate the whole thing. You know what he does? He assembles a great big crowd of people that, that their only job is to give thanks. And he says, all right, we're going to divide you in two, half go to the right, half go to the left, and I'll follow here. In other words, they were the first people into the dedication. They were the first people that came into the courts of God in order for God's blessing to be upon that place. And they were just, they were just praying, oh, thank you, Jehovah. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be able to accomplish the restoration of the wall. And thank you for these marvelous walls. And thank you for these gates. And thank you for Nehemiah. And thank you for Ezra. And thank you for fellowship. And thank you for Brother Branham. And thank you for the message. And thank you for your grace. And thank you for your communion. And thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for eternal life. On and on and on and on. And thank you for the rapture. And thank you for a thousand years of peace. And thank you for new heavens and new earth. And thank you for friends. And thank you for a church. And thank you for people that believe like I do. And thank you, Lord, for uh, the absolute. And thank you, oh God, for all the people that I know I can call upon. And they can pray for me. And thank you, Lord, for missionaries. And thank you for believers all over the world. And thank you that we're able to help the people in Kintadeni. And thank you, Lord, for... uh, Uh, the health I have, and thank you for the strength that I have. I mean, you might have met these guys and say, hey, what do you do in the temple? I just give thanks. That's my full-time job, giving thanks. Pretty good job. Nehemiah set it up, and this is what we're going to do first. We're going to get everybody ready, everybody in a place. First thing we're going to do, we're going to send the thanksgivers in first. Some of you might have come to church and said, somebody's sitting in my pew. I have to sit in another place. Sawyer, you don't realize how traumatic that is for me. I, I have, now I have PCSD, post-church stress syndrome. Some people want to hold a grudge. They'll hold a grudge and, you know, and they feel like I've got to hold on to it because I can't repent. I can't make it right. I can't do this. And they hold on to it. And all they do and all they think about is that I'm right. 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 And you know what they're forgetting to do? They're forgetting to do what God really delights in. And that is people giving thanks. Don't get quiet on me. I'm not done. 
<clears throat> Can I go a little further? And the peace of God which passes understanding. This is a military term. This is the fort builders. Remember the cavalry? They get out there on the plains out there. They didn't just put a pitch a tent out there and, uh, you know, hope the Indians didn't show up. They built themselves a garrison. And the garrison was meant to protect those within so that nothing got in to harm them and so that nobody strayed away. That's the idea. And that is the military term that Paul uses here in the definition of what we do with our anxiousness. We cast that, be anxious, he said, for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But I'm going to tell you what to do. You come to God with prayer, supplication, and which is asking and thanksgiving and give it to God. And that means literally he will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus to guard, protect by military guard to prevent invasion, or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. Now, <clears throat> we find this idea in different places in the Scripture. Peter tells us, he says, we've been preserved uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and fate is not away, reserved in heaven for you. God's got, a, God's got an inheritance for you. God's got a reward for you. For you, you who are kept by the power of God. God doesn't ask you to keep yourself. God doesn't ask you to keep your mind protected from all the junk and garbage that's out there. God doesn't ask you to keep, hey, when we do this right, God doesn't ask you to protect yourself from everything that's flying around out there. He says, I will build a garrison around your mind. You are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. Did I read that right? Yeah. You who are kept by the power of God. The power of God is actually at work defending our minds from invasion and to keep you from running away. Because there's a lot of times we feel like, in our, in a, if we're honest, there's a lot of times we feel like throwing in the towel. We feel like we've made too many mistakes. We feel like we're not worthy. Hey, i got news for you. You're right. The other thing that we need to remember is that he is a merciful and faithful high priest. He understands mercy, and he's faithful to his word. Now, if God made a promise, you can take it to the bank, you can deposit it, you can cash it. Number five, you just keep knocking constantly. You just keep at it. Let me tell you, if you came last Sunday and you got prayed for, and you feel like, hey, I'm no different this week, you keep coming. If you're listening on tape today, and we have a large number of people outside the church who are listening, let me tell you something, not, maybe not, not in the service, but they're archiving and people who are writing me and telling me, that. I'm not saying that for the wrong reason. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people out there who are looking for solutions to this question here. And sometimes, you know, you think, well... Uh, you know, why isn't God doing anything? Stop that attitude and turn it around and say, Lord, uh, maybe I missed something. Lord, show something. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I need to f- uh, extend forgiveness. Maybe I need to change my attitude about things. Maybe I need to, uh, you know, adapt here or adjust here. And Lord, show me that and keep knocking and keep seeking God for the answers there. That would be the better attitude. And Jesus tells us, he's one of his first teachings in Matthew chapter 6. He said, take no thought. Uh, about tomorrow. Tomorrow is sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. But rather what you want to do is, he says, you seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things happen in the course of nature. God knows you need a house to live in. God knows you need a job. God knows you need a wife and a husband and all, all that. God knows all of that. Don't get, don't get caught up in that. Did I marry the right one? Did I marry not the right one? The footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. 
here's something I want to focus on just for a minute. You've got to watch your attitude. And Brother Branham says, I was telling the boys coming over to church, he said, we must be happy all the time. God don't want you to be sad. And you know what ill temper does? That old temper is one of the awfulest things. About 60% of the cause of all sickness is temper. of all sickness. Huh. Tantrums fly loose. He said you're developing a cancer and ulcer or something like that, and when you do it... Now, anger is an important subject, and we've talked about it, and we probably need to talk about it again. But when you get all stewed up about somebody... Whoa. When you get all stewed up about somebody... In church, it's all, bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you. And on the inside, you can be all stewed up. I mean, right stewed up. But on the outside, it's all, dear sister, dear one. When you get all stewed up about somebody, I won't go back there anymore and wait till I give them peace in my mind. Remember, you're the ones going to pay for it. Quickly let it go. Quickly forgive. Don't, don't let it linger. It'll turn into a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness will cause many to be defiled. So don't, don't think you can control a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness will, will, will linger, but it'll eventually show up. And when it shows up, you're dealing with it on a church level. It, and it ain't, it ain't fun. Let me tell you that. Now watch what Moses cautions the people to do about attitude. He says in Exodus 3, Behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression with the Egyptians oppressed them. I, they're, they're crying to me out of distress and the pressures they feel. God says, I, I see that. I hear that. In Exodus 23, as they're leaving, watch what he says. Thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. A stranger is one who is a newcomer who lacks inherited rights. You know what it's like to be in Exodus 3. So don't you practice Exodus 23. Don't you turn around and say, well, uh, you know what? I'm a child of God now, and I can say what I want. I can give you a piece of my mind and so forth. Hey, listen, you know what it's like to be in trouble. You know what it's like to ha- need help from God. And you know what it's like to make a mistake and have to ask forgiveness. Don't you come along and lord over somebody and say, well, we need justice. You should never seek justice or retribution or vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You quickly let it go. How do you know you let it go? When you don't bring it into church every Sunday. I said when you don't bring it into church every Sunday, that's when you know you let it go. Still love me? It was weaker. It was weaker than what it was before. Now watch now. Think on your associations. In Numbers chapter 19, there's all kinds of these scriptures in here that say, He that touches the dead body of a man shall be unclean seven days. Now this is not just the physical thing, although it was for Israel in a sense, but it's a type. If you touch a dead body, 
then you were considered. And there were people allotted to touch dead bodies, because obviously if you have two million people in the wilderness, somebody's going to die. And so there were people appointed to do that job, and they had to stay without the camp. But if you come along and touch a dead body, you were considered unclean. So we have to be careful with our associations with the world. And in the Old, tradition, the Old Testament tradition, watch, if you touch a dead body, you became unclean. If a saint touched the dead, the dead would not become clean. I'm not trying to trick you. If you touch the dead, you become unclean. If a saint, if, uh, no matter how righteous you were, if you touched the dead, the dead would not become clean. So therefore, contact with the world will defile you. And many people are dead while they live. Many contacts are only there to drag you down. So you got to be careful now. Well, I got people I associate with in school, or people I I'm in college with, or people at work, and we go uh, we go out to the pub. I only drink water, but you know we only I drink sparkling water. But I I only that's all I do. But I, I hang around with those guys, and all of a sudden now you got you got a defilement that's going on because let me tell you something, <clears throat> young people, you making notes, girls, write this down. Environment. If you're not converted, environment will always trump will. Wait until she's got it written down. Sure, as fast as she can. Environment will always trump will. You can be a good person. You can say, "I'd never, I'd never, I'd never like country, country and western music. I'd never like country and western." You don't have a choice in life about whether you're going to be influenced or not. Because your environment will influence you. I can show you lots of scriptures. I can show you lots of proof of that. But your environment will influence you. You remember when Brother Branham saw the people in the Pentecostal tradition and they were exercising the gifts and dancing in the spirit and so forth. And Brother Branham said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I don't even think that's right. I don't think that's of God. But he hung around. He stayed in the service. And all of a sudden he said he was tapping, tapping his foot. And the next thing you know, he said, I was up on the floor dancing with people. You remember the girl, one time the brother Bram said, in greatest battle ever fought, she's walking along the road and God had delivered her from dancing. Remember that? And she goes by the door and she hears the music and says, oh, I wonder what it's like. I bet you they're up there dancing. And pretty soon, environment trumped her will. Without the Holy Ghost, without the Holy Ghost, environment will always trump the will. It will always beat the will. There's a lot of people who feel like that I'd never do that. I've talked to people that said I'd never commit adultery. I love my wife. Never committed adultery. And they committed adultery. You know why? Because they hung around an environment where it was just too strong. Because Satan knows just how to apply the pressure in that area. He surely does. And people always feel, number one, I can do this in secret and nobody knows, so therefore I don't have to repent of anything. And number two, I can control it. I can turn it off when I want to turn it off. But I will tell you something, that the environment will always trump the will. And the problem is, is that if you're with somebody all the time who constantly in in an environment of abusiveness tells you you're no good, tells you you'll never be as good as your sisters, you'll never be as good as your brothers, you'll never make nothing in life, and you're in an environment and you don't have a strong relationship with God, and somebody's constantly criticizing you and putting you down and intimidating you and making you feel like you're nothing, 
You stay in that environment long enough, and you know what? That environment will trump your will. And you'll begin to feel, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe I am not good enough. Maybe I shouldn't go to communion because I don't think I should be at the communion table. What's happened is environment has trumped the will. You can't live with somebody long enough, Brother Ram says, so long be around them until you take up their ways. And it's good for us not to run off and live with the world. Stay with Jesus until his life can be reflected in your life. The maniac of Gadara, Brother Ram says, oh, he says she could not go to Jesus because she's a Gentile. She's on the other side of the lake. She couldn't go to Jesus. But, oh, there's one blessed thing. You can't go to him, but he can come to you. Let me say it again. Don't lose me now. Here, watch. Stay with me now. I'm not going to be much longer. He said, oh, there's one blessed thing you need to know. You may not be able to get to him, but he can come to you. Young people, you may be in a spot. You may have a problem that you can't fix. You may not feel like, I don't even know how to get to God. I'll tell you what, you may not know, but God knows how to get to you. And you just need to open your heart and say, Lord, I need your help now. I need you to come on the scene. And one day down in the land of Gadara, no doubt, sociable, God-fearing citizen. Now, Brother Bram does this backstory thing and tells us about the maniac of Gadara. It's not in the Bible, but it kind of fills in the picture a little bit. And here's a man, he's, several times, he says he's married. And he says one day down in Gadara, he's no doubt a sociable, God-fearing citizen, once lived. And he got out with the wrong crowd and maybe just married two or three little kids. And he got mixed up in the wrong group. There's where many a young man and women lose out getting mixed up in the wrong group, wrong associates. Brother Bram goes on to say, and so one night they'd taken him out, give him a drink. Oh, we played a little gamble a little bit, won't hurt. And the first devil entered him and he went home and had to tell his wife a lie. Second devil. And on till he becomes possessed with a legion. Now he's gotten beyond any help. Now you can go to the doctor. Now you can go to the psychiatrist. And now you can do whatever you want here. But now we don't have a medical problem. Right? Hello? We don't have a medical problem here. And the poor little fellow was drove out into the tombs. Did you ever notice the devil likes to dwell in tombs? The devil likes to stay around old dead places that don't exclude churches either. They get colder devils. Hang out. You be careful with your associates. As you can be believing the wrong thing. Here we are at the end of the line. I wanted to talk about common threads. This is a couple, I'm going to leave you with this thought. A couple of common things that people seem to deal with when it comes to anxiety or, or nervousness. That kind of thing. Now, Brother Brand preaches two important sermons over and over and over and over again. One of them's identification, the other one's perseverance. And in those sermons, <clears throat> Brother Branham, you can, you can trace a theme in here. And he's talking about how we should, as believers, we should be perseverant to pursue the thing that is right. Pursue the things that, are, uh, that God's laid upon your heart. Whatever your lot is, pursue it. But he says you'll never pursue it correctly or totally until you have faith in what you're pursuing. If you don't really believe in it, you're not going to go after it. And he says, now I got to thinking on this perseverance. And I thought, yeah, many men are persevering. But before you can be perseverant, you have to have faith in what you're trying to achieve. So faith and perseverance works hand in hand together. And you must believe or you'll have no confidence. 
A crisis of self-confidence is very often the common thread that runs among people who feel a sense of anxiousness, overwhelming anxiousness. And you won't know whether you're right or wrong. But when you have reached that place that you have faith in what you're trying to do, then you can be persevering. A lot of times people can be so overwhelmed by frustration or anxiety or whatever else, and sometimes they can't put a finger on it. They can't identify it. And people say, well, hey, snap out of it. And Brother Bram says, don't ever say that to people. He said, because there's something behind that. So you're going to do somebody a favor by not saying, snap out of that. Christians don't act like that. You're a believer. You should never act like that. My goodness, look at all God's done for us. <laughs> and I'm here this morning to tell you Brother Branham did. If you've been in the, a stranger in the land, and you know what it's like to be a stranger in the land, don't you turn around and oppress strangers. When you're going through something, you don't need me to come to you and say, my goodness, I thought you had the Holy Ghost. Ought not to do that. But Brother Branham says now, you must believe or you'll have no confidence. Now remember back there a hundred quotes ago where Brother Branham said, that's not popular anymore for people to take the word. Remember I was talking about Jehoshaphat? He said, that's not done anymore. It's not in fashion anymore. You know, it's not... A lot of times people don't apply the word or appeal to God like Jehoshaphat did because they don't really have confidence in themselves to ask God. They believe God's word is right. They believe the Bible is right. They believe the Bible is true. They believe what I'm saying is right. But in themselves, they don't have the confidence to reach out and say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to reach out for that promise myself. Isn't that true? Because as soon as you go to do that, the devil will bring up all kinds of, yeah, but you did this and you did that. And you're not, you're not worthy to do that. I got news for you. None of us are. Don't worry about that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If you're under the blood of Christ, how can you lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If you're under the blood of Christ, how can you lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. And even though we are, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. We still sometimes can feel that way because of our life experiences and because of our perception of things and because we have complexes sometimes. You say, Brother Barry, we're, we're Christians. We don't have complexes. Now, just watch for a minute. Since he, God, has restored man back to his place, man in the fall has lost consciousness. He's lost an awareness of what the Father has actually put him here on the earth to do. When God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, what were they supposed to do? They were to be keepers of the earth. They were stewards of the earth, right? They were to till the earth and make it grow. And they could speak and trees would move and all the other things that they were to do. They had a purpose here on earth. And they were governors. They were the ones who were, the ones who were in control of what happened on the earth. And he says... In other words, all of the plumbing in our brain, the outlets, the faith, has been clogged up with business affair, home life, domestic things. It's all become so clogged up with that until God can't operate through those channels that he made man for. God made me to use me. 
God didn't make me to go around and say, well, you know what, I got a problem and I got, I got a sickness and I got to do this and I got to do something else and I am too busy and I'm, my goodness, I got to make ends meet and all, I got to pay off the debt and all the other things. Our problem is a lot of times we get things so clogged up that God can't get anything through the pipes because the pipes are so clogged up with domestic stuff. I can't get along with my wife and she won't let me look at pornography online and I, every time I do she says something and, you know, I got kids that are rebellious and I got all this other kind of we got all of this domestic debris in the pipeline. God can't use you for what he intended you to be on earth for. Hey, folks, I got news for you. We're the last of the last. We're the last people. I believe after this generation goes, there's nobody else who's going to be able to give out the message. There's nobody else going to witness the message. There's nobody else going to tell it like it is after we're gone. So I believe we're a dying voice to a dying world. I believe we're a little bit of light in a dark world. And you know what? I believe that God wants to use you and me and you and everybody else to get out there in your job, whether you're driving a truck or digging a hole or whatever you're doing, you're counting numbers on the page. doesn't matter. God wants you to use you as a witness of the living God and a place of hope in this last day. But I'm too busy. I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm something else. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. My hair is never right. Nobody will listen to me. We clog up the pipes all the time. I think a better prayer would be to say, Lord, you made me like I am. You made me who I am. Use me despite me. Use me despite me. I might be really young. Use me anyway. Put words in my mouth, Lord. All right? Watch what Brother Bram says. Now, this is, this is amazing. Christ the mystery God revealed. This is the service where at the end of the service, Edmund Way, who was a minister from Minot, North Dakota. Is that how you say it? Minot? Minot? Whatever. Minot. Is it really? <sighs> Thanks, Brother Parks. I never knew how to say that in all my life. And I knew Brother Way. And, uh, you know, uh, he's up there in North Dakota in the middle of nowhere. Old crusty German. I mean, that's the way he described himself. <laughs> I'm not telling you something, uh, you know, critical. That's the way he described himself. That's the way Brother Branham even talked about him. At the end of the service, here's Brother Branham preaching away. Christ the Mr. God revealed one of the key pri- premium sermons of Brother Branham's ministry. And at the end of it, Brother, Brother uh, Way from Minot, North Dakota, sitting there in the third or fourth row, falls over dead. His wife's a nurse. She leans down, looks at him. She's got enough experience to know he's dead. People are going nuts in the assembly. They're all going, you know, all crying and praying and doing things. And they said, someone told me, Brother Bam's just standing in the pulpit looking at Brother Way. He's just looking at him. He's just waiting for a word from God. Just stood there and waited. And finally he made this little simple prayer. It's in this quote. Now watch what he says. All this mystery is revealed to his bride. Sorry. Let's go one more. Let's go two more. Let's go three more. Let's go four more. Brother Branham says, What an age we live in. The night service is flashing red lights of his coming. 
Christ the mystery is the morning. Brother Wade drops dead. Brother Bram prays for him. He comes to life. The night service, Brother Bram comes back. And he says, this morning, I had preached at length, way over my time, tired and worn. He's so intent on getting this out. And there's so many good things in the sermon. He's intent on getting it through. He says all kinds of things in there. And he says, there could be two things happen. He, he's talking about Brother Way, either got tired, and when I spoke of having a complex, not just to mess my brother up, I wasn't speaking about him, as we'd say, I was making my confession of having a complex. And I guess if I'd asked a nice in this audience of people, how many in here has a complex? Practically every hand would go up. Fear heights, fear of speaking in public, all the other things that are out there. A lot of us deal with this kind of thing. He's explaining this now. And then he goes into this little story about how Paul preached one night. Is Acts chapter 20. You know the story. He preaches real long. He preaches, and it says in verse 7 there, until midnight. And there were many lights or many windows in the upper chamber. And old Eutychus is sitting up there, nodding off, and nodded and leaned just the wrong way. Fell down, and he was dead. He fell from the third loft. Wow. Aren't you glad we don't have a loft? And they picked him up dead. He comes in. Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, trouble not ourselves for his life is in him. Now, I have news for you. If you think I preach long, the Bible goes on and says that Paul preached until the break of the day. Brother Bram quotes this scripture now, and he comes back to the story again, and he says, and then it might have been this, that I've tried to think of it this afternoon, that I had stood here with all my heart and told you exactly the truth and told you of my complex and made my open confession. What was his complex? His complex was feeling that in all of his preaching, nobody believed it, nobody listened. Nobody really understood or listened or cared what he was actually saying which is devastating to a preacher. Devastating. And he says, I was trying to explain that this morning. I was trying to tell that. He said, I kind of feared that Brother Way thought I was talking about him. And he got so frustrated, because he's a crusty old German, that he would have just bought, he already had a heart rhythm, he had a heart problem, and then it got too much for him sitting there, and he fell over dead. He says, I was try- all of you, he said, I was trying to make my open confession and ask you to pray that my inside being would be changed towards the people that I could do as the Lord did. Let's have our musicians come on up for a minute. Now, I'd like to, I'd like to elaborate a little bit on this idea of complex, not this morning here, but just to tell you this, that Brother Branham was a human just like we are. And he had struggles where he thought people thought things about him. And he says, over that time of thinking, the people don't love me, the people don't care, people don't really want to hear me, they're only here for the miracles, they're only here because they need a healing and they got an ulcer and they need it healed or whatever else. And he's, he's developed something, listen, he's developed something on the inside that's now quite different than what's on the outside. And he's, he said, and I asked the people to pray 
that my inside being would be changed towards the people. Because I don't want to have a bitter attitude towards the people. I don't want to have a complex. I don't want to be feeling all the time. I am afraid that people are going to say this or say that they don't really believe me and all this. And he's a human. He's an Aries. He's human. And he's feeling this, this inward way of thinking that's not true. But he's kind of built it up in his mind to the place where he's got to confess it to the people. I have news for you. It wasn't his only complex. Don't think bad of Brother Branham because you know what? Brother Branham is every man. Hello? Brother Branham's every man. Brother Branham's me. Brother Branham's you. Because we all have things that we think that are not right, but we let them build up on the inside and they become what is described here as a complex. And what Brother Branham's remedy is, he said, I'm going to ask you to pray that my inside would be changed towards the people. That in my heart I'd have the right attitude towards people. Wow. Thank you, Brother Bram, for being transparent with us. Thank you for being honest with us. Because instead of saying on the inside, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. There are times when you need to pray, Lord, if there's not anything, if, if, I, if I'm so right, why do I feel so bad? So, Lord, if there's something that's not quite right, change my inside that I might have the right attitude towards people on the outside. And this is where you need to pray and say, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart today. And Lord, if there's something that's in there, don't prevent me, Lord. Hinder me from becoming stubborn about this. But Lord, let me, let my insides be changed. Like I've said to you before, most people who struggle with this problem or have to deal with it, they really are in search of only one thing, and that thing is peace. They want to have that that thing not be so overwhelming in their heart and mind. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not trying to play doctor, as I told you before. But Brother Branham, when he comes to this place, and he actually is honestly confessing about what it is and what's going on here, and he says, I built myself up into a complex about it. He says, I was going to ask you to pray that my inside would be changed towards people. Because you remember, Brother Bram wanted to go off, run off to the hills and be a trapper. He says, in my way of thinking, I'd rather be a trapper and go off and be by myself. Not have to put up with people and the fusses of the people and stuff going on and this and that. He said, she said, they said, he said. And he just wants to back away from all of that because he's got to the place where, hey, we should be above that. We should be beyond that. We should be, we should be. And he has questions and answers on the seals. And they're asking, should I wear a man, is it okay to wear a man's pajamas? If a woman is asking him the question. Not that that's a bad thing, but he's doing the greatest series of meetings in the Gentile history of 2,000 years. And people are sitting there wondering about pajamas. I mean, as a, as a prophet with the spirit of Elijah, he goes home and says, pajamas. Now, I don't, I don't, Brother Branham is a gracious, very gracious man. I'm not being critical of Brother Branham. But you had to wonder, man, so far ahead of his time, used by God so mightily, you got to wonder why he didn't have more complexes about things. My goodness, why he didn't have more things he struggled with. But he's being very gracious and transparent here. 
And he's just asking the people to simply pray. Because this, this, this is what's going to fix this. This is what's going to deal with it. Pray that my inside would be changed. So I'd feel better about dealing with the people and where they are. Things are going through. And as a minister, a prophet, a leader, a preacher, all of these things, that God would graciously deal with the people and use me to do it. Because I don't want my channel to be clogged up with complexes and bitterness. Because he said that's the problem. A lot of people get their channels clogged up. Let's bow our heads together. Wait till we can stand to our feet just to change our position. Give me another minute here. It's not environment, folks. It's, It's not your will. But there is a real power of the Holy Spirit that can come and relieve the suffering of the sufferer. And that's what we, that's what, at times that's just what we need. Nothing less. So in your life you want to make sure that there's no channels blocked. Number one. Number two, you need to make sure that you don't gleeb out of here and say, well it was really good. I believed everything you said, but I'm not worthy of that. I don't want anybody to leave here and say that. There comes a point where you've got to say, that promise was made for the bride. I'm a member of the bride. Not because of my works, not because I got everything right, but because of God's grace, His choosing, and the blood of the cross. Therefore, I'm a member of the bride of Christ. So therefore, that promise is for me. And I can claim that I can take my rights. And Satan's got to take his hands off me. There comes a point where I can say that about you and I can quote it for you, but it's got to come from within your heart. That's where it's got to come from. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I free all to Him I will ever love and trust in His presence daily live. Sing it now. I Power, let thy blessing.
Every head bowed just for a moment here. Close your eyes. I'd like to pray with you this morning. I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like you to take advantage of the moment and just say, Lord, I'm putting my lot in here. I am just wanting to make sure everybody knows I'm teaming up with Christ. I'm coming to his word and I'm believing that promise is for me. And Lord, I'm claiming that territory that's mine. I'm claiming that peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. I'm tired of listening to those voices that seem to prevail. I'm tired of punching the punching bag that keeps coming back up. But Lord, I want to come. And I want you to help me, Lord. And let me be honest and examine myself. If you have that need today, you have that desire in your heart, I want you to raise your hands while we pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Heavenly Father, as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask thy blessing upon this assembly, Lord. Hands raised. My hands are raised. My heart is tender, Lord, towards you this morning. God, how I want to be transparent. Lord, how I want to be in a place where my channels don't get so clogged up with cares and frustrations and busyness and money and problems and all these other things, Lord. May we learn quickly to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Help us to believe that. But more importantly, help us to practice that. That we would actually, Lord, learn to give those things to you in faith and confidence. Our children yet who are not grown up, our Teenagers, Lord, who seem to have a mind of their own. Our health, our wealth, our entire lives, the very best thing we can do, Lord. Cast those things at your feet. Turn to you. And just like Jehoshaphat did in big things and just like small things, Lord, no matter what the circumstance, Lord, may we give it to you. May we swallow our pride. Lord, may we condescend to men of low estate and may we realize Lord that as long as we're in these bodies there are none perfect and none righteous among us outside of what you've done and so Lord we're not here at all we're not asking for Lord more ability to do what you said you do we want to move out of the way and let you do it because you said you would keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're trusting in that. We're believing in that. Lord, may you just come on the scene now, Lord. and We give you these concerns that we have, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And we're asking forgiveness, Lord, for the all the junk in our lives that's clogged up these channels. And Lord, may we learn these lessons and may we come to a place, Lord, where we freely can receive from you, Lord, and be used of you like you intended in the first place. Grant it, Lord, now we pray in Jesus' name. May every demon of doubt and fear may be cast aside. May every hesitant believer, Lord, stand on solid ground today. Leave here with a confidence knowing they're a child of God. Nothing can change that. Nothing can alter that. I pray, Lord, you administer to hearts today. Soften our hearts in your presence. In Jesus' name.
we pray. Amen and amen. Give ourselves away. Let's sing that this morning together now. Give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your Oh, 
myself away so you can use me. He's my Lord. There is no Of life like my own. He gives rest to the weary, brings new life to hopeless. There's no doubt. One more time. Yes, he is my Lord. service, Lord, down to a close today. Father, may you just minister to every heart and every soul, people who are listening, people far and wide. Lord Jesus, you've laid this on my heart. I believe that there are individuals, Lord, that hopefully have benefited. Lord, in some way, your word might penetrate through those clogs that exist in our life. Free us, oh God, I pray. Examine our hearts, Lord. 
show us if there's some wicked way, something out of, out of place, Lord. Deal with us according to your mercies. And we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Bless us as we go. Bless our fellowship, our conversation, the week that lays ahead, Lord. In all things, we give you thanks. This Thanksgiving matters to you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. With this, you're dismissed today. And if anybody would like to stay and have prayer, you're welcome. I'd be glad to stay and pray with you. If you want to just linger in the presence of God, which is very rich here this morning, we uh, certainly invite you to do that. God bless you as you go this morning. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be Pray.